0: Hello and uh, welcome to Sanctuary Family Worship Center online. This message is re-recorded uh, for you today. And we are talking about surviving to thriving uh, here at Sanctuary. And we're going through the uh, five, uh, five main areas of our, of our lives as believers or types and life stages as believers. And uh, we've been talking about surviving to thriving. What does it mean to survive uh, in your personal life? Uh, what does it mean to survive and then to thrive in your single life, your married life, your family life, and your church life? And uh, over the last uh, over the last uh, week and the next several weeks, we're going to be diving into this, so we're thanking you for joining us uh, this morning. But let's pray and uh, dive in here. Father, we love you. Father, I pray for every person listening to this online. God, that you would bless them, you'd make your face shine upon them, you'd give them peace. God, that you would take their uh, Christian walk to the next level. God, that you would show them how much you love them, keep them safe. Uh, Lord, I just pray they'd plug into a local church wherever they are around the world. uh, God, and you would uh, raise them up to be a mighty generation of people who are flourishing in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, so there's some funny things that people uh, who are single never want to hear in the church. And some of them say things like this. I, I remember what it was like to be single. Or, I'm so jealous of your free time. You should really try online dating. Or, you're so pretty, why are you still single? Or, or don't worry, it always happens when you're not looking. Or, uh, someone might tell you if you're single, you should pray about it more. Or, you're being too picky. Uh, you should put your out, yourself out there more. Or, maybe uh, the best is, uh, I've got a cousin I'm dying to introduce you to. Uh, or, perhaps they might say to you, uh, God must have someone really special if he's making you wait this long. Uh, those are some things single people never want to hear in church. And uh, the fact is, fifty-two perc- or over, almost fifty point two percent of the population uh, in the United States are single today, uh, compared that uh, in one thousand, nine hundred and seventy-six, only thirty-four or thirty-seven point four percent of the population was single. So we've seen like this huge increase in singleness over the last several decades. And so we're going to talk to this uh, today about how do how does a Christian not only survive that's, that means just to continue to exist. Uh, last week I talked about how, you know, you may go on a camping trip and you may survive the weekend or a few weeks, but you're not really going to thrive. But to thrive is to flourish. You know, eventually after you run out of camping supplies and camping gear, or you want to shower, you, you want to uh, go to that hotel bed and breakfast, you know, after a while you're not thriving, just living on grub worms and, and wood chips and, you know, whatever you can find in the stream. Uh, so they're surviving, but then they're thriving. And thriving means to grow or increase. And so, so many Christians in America today are are just surviving, maybe even around the world, just surviving uh, their life. And we want to call them to thrive in Christ. And uh, specifically, singles. Singles. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, what's the single life? What does it mean to live as a single? Uh, the single life in ancient times, uh, marriage, Uh, was the bedrock of society. Inheritance were passed through children from generation to generation. Uh, Singleness even became seen like as a curse or a burden to society. Uh, In Old Testament times, unmarried women were so dependent upon their fathers and their brothers, and widows even had to return to their parents' home. And singleness uh, became this place of economic and spiritual depression, especially for uh, for women. Uh, And then you can think about the church even today. You know, and today, singles can feel like a second-class citizen in church. Uh, Their schedules of churches often revolve around those that are married with kids, Uh, and there might be little resources for singles. Uh, Single adult events uh, at the church sometimes can be like this awkward church dating service, Uh, and everyone keeps asking, you know, hey, when are you going to get married? Or, hey, can I fix you up with someone? So there's this internal pressure that kind of uh, sometimes the church unawaringly puts off uh, towards singles. And then, in contrast, though, there is this opposite response in the world today, uh, and it just is equally uh, negative. And in in the world today, there's this unholy rebellion against marriage. Young people are taught to live for themselves. They say, I don't need a man, or maybe I don't need a woman to be happy. Uh, Celibacy, you know, abstinence with no premarital sex, that kind of stuff, that's old school culture says it's unnatural to remain a virgin. You should explore your sexuality. Just use protection. They'll tell our kids. Uh, And there's this false romance of one night stands and friends with benefits. Uh, And you can even look at in 2005, 1.5 million babies were born out of wedlock to unmarried couples. That's four out of 10 babies almost uh, that were in America uh, have come out of uh, wedlock that they've been born to unmarried couples. So this, this, this opposition uh, to the, the the heritage of marriage and the the tradition of marriage. And, and so there's this drawing to stay single and a, and a prideful rebellion today. In contrast, in the ancient times, there was this push, a prideful thing of marriage and to be married and to have kids. And so Jesus comes on the scene. This is where it gets good. Jesus comes on the scene, and in contrast to all these perspectives, Jesus comes and he ushers in the kingdom of God. It's this great spiritual kingdom that ushers in the reign of God and the day of salvation. And Jesus begins to tell us what life in the kingdom of God really is all about, what God really designed life to be. And he begins to give us this eternal perspective. And turn with me uh, in Matthew 22, verse 30, unless you're driving or doing something somewhere else. Uh, But Matthew 22, verse 30 says this. It says, For in the resurrection they will neither marry nor nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So Jesus is talking uh, to some people who are kind of tricking him about the cultural rules of marriage and all these little uh, things that would happen back in the ancient times about who would marry who when they died and what would the property rights be and and, uh, the heritage and and all this kind of stuff. But Jesus just presses pause and says, Hey, guys, uh, you're not thinking about an eternal perspective, and there's a lot more pressing things on my agenda. Than the earthly legalistic rules or the social pressures or the cultural norms. He's got an agenda for us. And and here's Jesus, this ultimate human being who has never dated, who never married, who never had sex, begins to redefine the complete standards of of human life. The the ultimate fulfillment in life was not dating, it was not marriage, was not having sex, was not being in these intimate physical relationships. But in fact, he begins to say, the ultimate satisfaction of every person is defined in their oneness with God. The ultimate satisfaction of every person is defined with their oneness, uh, uh, in their oneness with God. And so he basically is saying marriage is not the ultimate goal of the Christian life. And if you're single today, uh, you need to hear that. And if you're married today, you need to hear that marriage is not the ultimate goal of life fulfillment. Uh, God's kingdom is more important than any earthly relationship. And even Jesus goes further on uh, earlier in Matthew chapter 10 uh, to say that loving family uh, cannot come before loving God, that uh, he who loves his mom or dad or brother or sister or kids or wife or husband, uh, more than Jesus is not worthy of Jesus. And in contrast, so far apart is the love for God and the love for family that in comparison, loving God and loving family, it's like as if you should hate your family in comparison to your love for God. I mean, your love for God is so much greater than your love for even things on this earth. Many people will fall away because of their family relationships or their social pressures or their cultural norms. Um, society and, and the culture of the day often pulls believers, especially young believers, away to say, no, don't take that leap of faith for God. No, don't give it all in. I want you to marry this person. Sell don't have this life. Um, but I'm telling you today, whoever you are, wherever you are listening to this, God has a mighty plan for your life, and it better be defined by His kingdom and His will for your life. And so there's this level of surviving. There's many types of singles today, Uh, There's teens, there's single young adults, there's single moms and dads, divorced, widows, widowers. Some people who are single are trying to manage just caring for their child by themselves. Some are sharing custody. Other singles are caring for their elderly parents. And, And there's not one level of singleness. Not all singleness is equal. But God has this plan to lead each believer into a thriving life. And it's not always in the view of marriage. But um, some people will ask a pastor, say, you know, pastor, is there a such thing as a gift of singleness? Uh, So I'm going to talk to you about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're just kind of expound on this for a little bit. But 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verse 1 says this. Uh, The Apostle Paul's writing to his uh, church in Corinth, and he says, Is it good for a man, um, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And basically in the Greek that talks about, it's basically good for you to be celibate. It's good for you to abstain from sexual relationships with other people uh, and even not marry. In verse 7, he says, I wish that all men, and we can say women here too, were uh, as I am myself, which is single. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner, one in that. Verse 8, but I say to, uh, to the unmarried and to the widows that it's good for them to remain even as I am. In Verse eleven, Paul goes on to add that even those who have divorced should remain unmarried until their divorced spouse remarries or they 're reconciled back together, basically saying, "Hey, if you get divorced, stay single and if you uh, the only way to move on would be in the fact that god 's will be maybe perhaps you and your spouse reconcile you both get our, uh, uh, both come back to Jesus Christ and reconcile that relationship, or uh, you allow your Uh, spouse who divorced you to go on and remarry and then you'd be free to remarry after that but what is paul really saying here is singleness better uh and you might be saying well uh what, what if i'm dating or what if i'm separated four real quick things out of this you can just pull out is number one paul says that singleness is a better life for those who can accept it it's a better life for those who can accept it and marriage might even cause some to fall away he would argue Uh, some people's spouse may draw you away from Christ, and that's not as most important in the kingdom of God. God's will is that you, most importantly, would stay one with Him. And number three, some people won't make it until death do us part, and it's better not to divorce. So he's saying if you think you might divorce this person, don't even marry them, stay single. Number four, you can say that single people do more for God in eternity. And Paul's going to argue that here in a minute. Single people can do more for God than other people. But you think, man, pastor, what if I'm not gifted? Uh, You know, I'm single, or I'm I'm dating, uh, or I'm not married, I'm separated, I'm divorced, uh, whatever. And we say, what if I'm not gifted? How do I know if this is my gift or not? Am I supposed to say single or not? (laughs) Some people may come up to the pastor and say, "Uh, but pastor, didn't God give me, uh, say he'd give me the desires of my heart? And uh, they may be looking over there and say, hey, that man or that woman over there looks pretty desirable. Uh, and we'd like to turn Scripture into that. But Paul agrees with Jesus in Matthew 19, uh, verse 11, that not everyone can accept celibacy. Not everybody can handle being single, uh, but only those who it's been gifted by God. It's it's as if a spiritual gift to some and not to others. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, and uh, verse 9, Paul says, I, Yet I wish that all men were even as I am myself. But However, each man has his own gift from God, and one in this manner, another in that. But if they don't have self-control, let them marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So some singles are going to struggle with the need for intimacy. Some are going to continually uh, be crossing boundaries. They're going to get in bad relationships. They're going to cross some lines. They're going to endure some regret. Others, singles are struggling with depression. Man, it's being lonely in the holidays or... Maybe not having uh, children, you know, causes you some emotional pain, and then singleness becomes this huge burden for you. Uh, we begin to look outwardly and say, "Well, I'm not as happy as them," or that's fulfillment. and And here, let me tell you today that that perspective is skewed according to this earthly perspective, that earthly relationship. The goal of Paul here is to tell us pushing our focus to devotion in Jesus Christ. Uh, and and one author says it this way. That God doesn't always give us what we want, but we can trust God to give us what we ultimately need for our good and His glory. I'll say it again. God doesn't always give you what you want, but you can trust God to give you what you ultimately need for your good and His glory. And so no matter your condition, no matter your position, your ultimate focus is to be an undivided devotion to God. Verse 32 and verse 33. He is calling us to an undivided devotion to God. Married and single. What is your undivided devotion to God? How does that look in your life? Uh, what do you view as the ultimate fulfillment in your life? What do you, Whether it be your dating, relationships, possessions, uh, whatever it may be, your ultimate goal of satisfaction and happiness and pleasure in this life should be found in an undivided, devotion to Jesus Christ. And so number one, we're talking about surviving. Number one, to survive, if you're single today, number one, you need intimacy with God. Number one, you need intimacy with God, identity. Uh, Remember that as a believer, you're not defined by marriage. You're defined by your spiritual identity in Christ. And instead of viewing singleness as a curse or a gift, uh, we're calling you to realize the true prize that every believer has, and that is an undistracted devotion to Christ. Realize that you are enough in Him. You are enough in Him. Your identity is enough in Him. And that says that uh, that's who you are. Uh, that, that forever in eternity there will be uh, no marriage. There will be no relationships in that physical capacity. There will be no fulfillment seen in another person. And husbands and wife, your spouse is not enough. Young person... Your 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 dating partner is not enough. Your your engaged. Your fiance is not enough. What is only enough is seeing yourself in Jesus Christ, and that leads to fulfillment. And so we're drawing near today and saying we want to cultivate that relationship with God, discovering that Christ is everything I need in this life and forever. And so when Scripture says things like, "Don't be anxious." Don't worry, don't envy, be content, be patient, be hopeful. You look at someone and say, how in the world can I be patient? You're in an impatient situation. Someone says, just be patient. You just want to slap them. Or the the scripture says, don't be angry or or whatever. And and someone comes up and tells you, uh, you're mad, you're upset, you're in pain. They say, don't be that way. Uh, How do you you respond to that? Because there's no way you can just tell someone not to do or feel something. uh, And they say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just turn that off and I'll not feel that way anymore. What Scripture is saying here when it says don't be anxious, don't worry, don't envy, it's that you have an intimacy with God. You have an identity with God. And so no man or woman is big enough to meet all of our emotional needs, but God is near to us. And Paul says in Philippians 121 that for me to live is Christ and die is gain. So perhaps Paul is telling us here through this, and and here is Paul, this ultimate single, and he's realizing that all of our needs are met in Jesus. And that to die is to gain this heavenly reality that we only experience in earth as a shadow. This earthly intimacy only reflects in shadows what this heavenly reality is. And that, that, that is, this full oneness with God, there is joy and pleasure forevermore. To survive, singles need intimacy with God. You're enough, and He's everything you need. Number two, to survive if you're a single, you need intimacy with others. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says it's not good for man to be alone, but he's really, uh, let's keep what Scripture is saying there. He's not saying necessarily every person needs to be married, but he says that every person needs companionship. You need intimacy with, intimacy with God, number one, but secondly, you need intimacy with others. And that's where the church comes in. If God has given you this gift of singleness, or he's calling you to be single, and he prefers you to be single, just to be honest, God prefers you to be single, unless you can't handle it. And he calls you to find this sense of belonging, the sense of identity in him first, but then secondly, in the church, in the relationships in the church. And let me just give you some tips that I have to say today uh, for Christ-like intimacy and relationships with other believers. Uh, number one, sexual intimacy. Sex is only for the marriage bed. That's not a popular message you'll hear today in the secular world, but you're going to never fall in the Grand Canyon if you don't walk near the edge. So keep, keep that At bay, sexual intimacy. I'm not talking about just sex, but any type of sexual intimacy is only for marriage. Uh, Number two, create healthy boundaries. Treat people of the opposite sex as brothers and sisters in Christ. Young person, that person you're dating, God sees it as your brother or sister until you're married. Uh, Let that sink in just for a minute. Number three, resist temptation by relying on Jesus. Hebrews 4.15, we have a sympathetic high priest who was tempted in every way as we were, but yet did not sin. You can give all that temptation and rely on Jesus' strength. And Paul says that he uh, received self-control by submitting to the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. That, and in Ver- and 1 Corinthians 9, that he treated his body as uh, a slave to Christ. He, he beat it into submission, basically, and spiritually. Uh, and we can stay single or married. Number five, uh, stay single or stay married unless you cannot be devoted to Jesus. Number five, stay single or stay married unless you cannot be devoted to Jesus. Whatever position you are when you are saved, stay there until God tells you to change it. Uh, if you're single, stay single until God says otherwise. If you're married, stay married until God says otherwise. Uh, the only, and, and, the, and only date or marry a man or woman unless they'll push you closer to God. There's no reason to get any relationship. The only reason God will change your relationship is if he thinks it'll draw you closer to him. The only reason God's going to put you in a dating or engagement or a marriage is if he thinks it's going to draw you closer to him. That person, young person, is only supposed to draw you closer to God. If you're in an abusive relationship or you're, you're considering divorce, God, is, uh, God hates divorce, true. But God is mostly concerned about your spiritual relationship with him. But don't change your relationship without God's direction. Number six and number seven, a guiding rule, never date or marry an unbeliever. Never date or marry, unless your name is Hosea. Never date or marry uh, an unbeliever. And so that's thriving. Thrive, uh, uh, sorry, so that's surviving. Surviving is number one, intimacy with God, intimacy with the local church. But to thrive, to thrive, to flourish, to bloom as a single is to live on purpose. So survive is intimacy with God, number one. To survive is intimacy with the church, number two. And to thrive, though, is living on purpose. Some singles are going to be bitter. They're going to compare themselves with others in relationships. Uh, some are going to find their life fulfillment in a buffet of broken relationships. Maybe you've been there. You've done that. You've seen, you've gone through relationship after relationship after relationship, uh, discouraged hopes. You've crossed lines. You've had regrets. Some are going to spend their whole time trying to be slimmer and fitter and prettier, but not the thriving single. The thriving single is going to remember that God has not withheld his very best from you, and, uh, and God has something in store for you in his perfect plan. God is not calling you to, while well, he wants you to be healthy, he's not calling you to fill your whole life with uh, a slimmer, fitter, prettier self. He's not calling you to try on a bunch of relationships and see who fits and who doesn't fit. He's not calling you to compare yourself with other people uh, and measure your happiness according to relationships of marriage and children and procreation or success in the job world or, or career or travel or where you're going. Now, he, he, thriving believers and thriving singles, thriving married people, uh, he's not called us to that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's look at verse 32, talking about thriving. But I want you to be free from concern. Concern. One who is married is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. So the woman who is unmarried... And the virgin, they're concerned about the things of the Lord, how she can be holy in both body and spirit. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world. How can she please her husband? And so this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint or you know, a law upon you, but to promote what is appropriate. And here's the key words. New American Standard says, and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Paul is interested in you today, wherever you are, Would you secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord? What do you have to do in your mind, your heart, your soul, your body, your time, your relationships to secure an undistracted devotion to God? The question is really not about singleness or marriage. It's how are you in a secure, undistracted devotion to the Lord? And three things you can do today, just wrapping up, uh, if you want to be a thriving single. Whether you're dating, engaged... Uh, or you're single on your own, if you're divorced, you're separated, three things you can do today to be thriving in a relationship with Christ. So one, get that intimacy with God. Two, get that intimacy with people in the local church. But to thrive is number one, live free. Marrieds, married people are often burdened with earthly concerns. We've got a, we've got a piece of the pie here. And uh, when you, get, you have your life as you're single, it's open, it's full, mostly about you. And you can give God this huge piece of pie, but when you get married, then that pie gets that slice of pie gets smaller. And then you have another one kid and it gets a little smaller. You get another kid, it gets a little smaller. So at the end of the day, you got five kids, you got a job, you got a mortgage, you got a house to take care of, your kids are in school, soccer practice band, all this kind of stuff, and God gets this small slice of pie. And he's saying, But single people. Single people can give me so much more. If you're single, God can wake you up in the middle of the night. He can draw you into prayer in the evenings. He can, he can so freely feel your mind throughout the day because you're not so worried about all the things you have to do. Or is your spouse happy with you? We got to go on a date or we got vacation to plan or all these things. Not saying that singles don't have things to do. Single people are very busy as well. Some of them more so, especially those with kids or uh, in, in certain positions. But what he's saying is that I can be your all in all when you're single. And what a blessing that is. And you can live free. Jesus says even in Luke 14, 20, that some people will miss heaven because they've prioritized their marriage before the kingdom. They'll miss the call of God on their life. They'll miss the call to heaven because they've put their relationships first. So number one, if you want to thrive, live free. Live free of distractions. Live free of earthly concerns. Number two, live on purpose. Singles are an asset to God in His kingdom. And, and even celibacy, when you define it, it says uh, it means to remain pure for a religious purpose. Purity for a purpose. The problem is perhaps today not your purity, but finding your purpose. And, uh, and this is something you should write down if you're struggling today, is that when we lack purpose will fill our lives with pleasure. What we lack in purpose, we fill with pleasure. And so today, there may be pleasures in your life, whether it be golf or or uh, hunting or fishing or shopping or being in this relationship or sex or dating or, or spending money or your career. You're going to find all these pleasures. But if you fill your life with the purpose of the kingdom of God, everything else will fall into place. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you in a purpose. Uh, cancels out that pleasure and, and the only thing that's going to cancel out the lust in your life for the things of this world is the love of God love is the only thing that's going to cancel out that lust for the things of this world so live on purpose today find your purpose in the body of Christ find your purpose in the kingdom of God find what God's calling is on your life and you have one no matter where you are where, where you live, what country you live in, what state you live in you have a divine kingdom calling on your life and discover those kingdom opportunities. So live free, one. Live on purpose, two. And number three, leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. Uh, you know, a- Abraham and Sarah, while they eventually received God's promise for a child in Genesis, their true inheritance, Scripture describes, was a line of spiritual descendants. That's people like you and me, Galatians four twenty seven. 27. Uh, the real promise, the real heritage in Scripture is not in a bloodline. The real heritage in Scripture is in a spiritual legacy of faith. Paul creates one in Timothy. Uh, uh, You see it in in the descendants and the disciples. You know, uh, it wasn't so much their lineage. It was those they imparted faith into and and saw saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and called in the ministry. And so today, who are your spiritual children and grandchildren? I can go back to some of the churches I've pastored before or ministries I've been a part of and go back and meet people I've never met before, but they're my spiritual grandchildren because I reached a person in this small group, and then that person reached another person. And years and years and years later, now you can go back and you can trace that lineage and say, wow, uh, there's a legacy of faith here that we may never see completed until heaven. But First Timothy chapter 5, verse 10 kind of gives a highlight for some of these older women who have been single, these older wi- uh, widows. Uh, and Paul's basically saying that the widows in the end of their life should have this reputation of good works, hospitality to strangers, serving others, assisting those in distress, devotion to godly works, fixing their hope on God, and continuing to intercede and pray night and day. And there they create this spiritual legacy of faith. And so today, what's your spiritual heritage? The only thing that matters in the kingdom of God today is your intimacy with God, your intimacy with the body of Christ, and your heavenly purpose, your divine kingdom purpose. What is your spiritual heritage today? I'm going to challenge you, wherever you are listening to this online, the kingdom of God, we sum it all up, is that all of our priorities should be influenced by, number one, knowing the world is passing away number two, the most important thing is being wholly devoted to Jesus Christ. Don't assume marriage is God's will for you. Ask God what his calling is for your life, and realize singles, you are a huge blessing, whether you're separated, divorced, widowed, uh, never married. You are a huge blessing to the body of Christ, and God has a kingdom assignment for you. So survive by finding intimacy with God and his church, and thrive by finding your purpose in Christ. Let there be an undistracted, secure devotion in your life this week. We pray God's very blessed for you. Thank you for listening to Sanctuary Family Worship Center online.